Welcome to the Front Porch Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. And happy Palm Sunday, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. And uh, today, Pastor Margaret and I are joined by Jeff Wilhelm. Jeff, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. I'm happy to be here. And Jeff Wilhelm is our director here at Hope Distributed, um, which is a food bank, clothes closet, furniture here um, through Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene. And uh, he's here to share his testimony with us today. Jeff, just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Uh, I'm actually from the metropolis of Cumberland, Maryland. Um, it's about, I'd say, two hours due north of Harrisonburg. Um, it used to be a, a bustling little town, but business has left, and, and now it's it's uh, almost like a ghost town, unfortunately. Um, but that's where all my uh, family is at. Um, went to high school at Fort Hill High School, go Sentinels. Um, yeah, I, I love my time back there. It was a great place, uh, but I'm happy to be here. I've been in Harrisonburg for 13 years, and uh, actually, no, I've been in Harrisonburg for 16 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, time flies when you're having fun, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I'm blessed and grateful to be here, and uh, I'm loving it. Did you have siblings? I'm an only child. I was that kid who was out in his backyard playing by himself and talking to himself. Um, luckily, I, I, have, I have a lot of cousins and a lot of friends in the neighborhood, but I was the youngest, so... When I was a young child, I was by myself a lot. Um, not trying to make anybody feel bad for me or cry about it, but yeah. you know, when you're the when you're the youngest, nobody wants to play with you. I get uh, that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, funny story. Uh, my neighbors um, thought there was something wrong with me as a kid because I would actually go out in the back alley and play tackle football by myself. <laughs> I would throw the football to myself and then tackle myself. Um, so, yeah, my neighbors knew that there was something strange about that little kid with the curly hair. So, yeah. Just probably talking the whole time too. I, well, I was actually like a sports announcing, like a Fox News or something like that. Yeah. I was thinking you wasn't silent. No, 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 not at all. Oh, that's great. I can relate to the talking to myself. My parents always gave me a hard time about that. You know, <laughs> I thought I was having a conversation in my brain, but my lips were moving. Right, so. that's right. Funny. So, did you grow up going to church? Was that a part of your? Oh yeah, yeah. Life? I, I grew up going to Cumberland First Church of the Nazarene. Um, my mom didn't go to church with me. Uh, she she went she she would go if I were singing or if there was a play or something like that. Um, but unfortunately, she started going with me there for a while. Um, but she didn't like the fact that the same people who were raising their hands during praise and worship or praying were also bad mouthing the pastor the second mm-hmm. after the sermon was over or talking yeah. about what this person was wearing. Um, so it really turned her off. So. Um, luckily for me, there was a lady at our church. She was my high school teacher growing up named Fanny Hevner, mm-hmm. and uh, she drove a red Buick Reliant. <laughs> and every Sunday morning at 9.15, uh, she'd pull in front of the house, honk the horn, and I would take off for Sunday school with her. So, uh, yeah, me and Fanny, we, we traveled to church a lot back when I was a kid. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing to look back and see the people that God puts in our life. I mean, he put her right in your right, life. Right, right. A heart, she was compelled to come pick you up on Sunday and take you to church. And you just have to praise God for oh, yeah. those folks that I, care so much. I, I, I've spoken at churches before, and, and I implore people to be like Fanny Hevner. Mm-hmm. You know, it's somebody that you're never going to hear of. You're not going right. to read, read her name in a book. But right. she was influential in my life. So that anybody that who, who I would happen to touch, 
is because of her and her right. faithfulness. So, you know, I, I've urged numerous congregations to be more like Fanny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I, as you were talking about uh, Fanny, um, Jeff, I was thinking about a story I believe I heard Dad tell this one. It was about a kid. He was putting little, like, sea urchin-type things in shells back in the water, and a man came along and said, you know, what difference are you going to make, kid? And he took one and flipped it, and he said, well, it made a difference in that one. Right. Yeah. So right. just thinking about not being overwhelmed by, you know, but just doing what you can do to impact, you know, even if it's one life or those that you come in contact with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. You mentioned that uh, Miss Fanny, I believe you called her, your yeah. Sunday school teacher, uh, picked you up for church, and uh, occasionally your mom would go with you. Yeah. Um, just share anything else about your growing up years or your church years. And it, the other thing that was sad to hear was, you know, about some of the bad experiences from church, maybe not so much you, but your mom had. And oftentimes that's a good reminder too, to live the life we proclaim all the time, not just during worship. Uh, right. Anything like that that you'd like to share that's had an impact on your life? Oh yes, yeah, certainly. Um, you know, growing up, I, I was I was that only child. I was not mischievous, but I was I was a lot of people call me like Dennis the Menace. You know, I was always getting into something. Um, really, my childhood, um, as most of us, is what formed who I am today. And there there were certain aspects of my childhood that I wish were different. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never met my father. Uh, he took off, and you know, haven't seen him since. And you know, things were for, were lean for mom and I sometimes because uh, she had me when she was younger. And, um, you know, but it really taught me resolve. And it really taught me to, uh, there, there are things bigger than me in this world and that, you know, I can do strength of, of the Lord. I can overcome them, you know, we're more than conquerors, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, really, you know, as, as unfortunately I get older, uh, I, I, I have more of a, a deep-rooted respect for my mom. Um, mm-hmm. Because my my birth was not the easiest for her, and I know that sounds bad, but I'm going somewhere with this. Um, a week before I was born, her mother died. Mm. A week after I was born, her father died. Wow. So she's thrown into to being a mom all of a sudden. The father of this baby takes off, and both of her parents die within a week of this birth. So I mean, just just to imagine what what she was going through, the emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. at that time, it just astounds me. Um, so growing up, you know, I, I, I'm a mama's boy, right. you know, some people make fun of me about right. that, but what else, of course I am, yeah. you know, right. what, else, what, what else would you be? Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what, are, what are my, what are my options folks? But, um, you know, my, my mom couldn't afford to put me in daycare. So I, I, I went with her when she went to work. So she couldn't get like your normal nine to five jobs. She cleaned houses in our area and she cleaned a different house every day. And in our neighborhood, mostly the folks were elderly women who their husband had died. And so she knew that they were on a limited income. They couldn't afford some of the crazy prices that you you have to pay to have your house cleaned. So she would clean houses from 9 a.m. to about 1 p.m., but she would only charge them $10. Wow. And I, I didn't know anything about this at the time, so I was like, oh, wow, you got $10. You know, when you're four or five years right. old, you, you think you just won the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, now that, that I'm on this side of it, I realize that she may not have known she was doing this, but she was really doing a ministry to these folks because— right. She was cleaning their entire house for ten dollars, and I mean, I've just from that point, I just that's when it was deep rooted inside of me that, you know, do all you can for other people, and 
that that's how I've been raised, mm-hmm. you know. And even though my mom wasn't in church with me every Sunday, she would just come for the special events. I truly, truly, truly feel she taught me more about being Christ-like than most people in the congregation, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Wow. So you started going to church with Fanny. Yep. And when did it become personal? Like, when would it go from, hey, this is what I'm doing, I'm getting out of the house, I actually have somebody to talk to. Right. And Fanny's yeah. will listen to me the whole way right. to church and all the way home. And people, I interact with people when I get there. So right. that was a big deal for you, I'm sure. Yeah. But... When did it go from, I'm showing up to, hey, this is real? Um, I also uh, direct a camp in Pennsylvania. And uh, that, that camp is like my second home. When I was a little kid, it was a place where I, I could go. Was, I, I grew up a camp rat. I was mm-hmm. going to camp um, all over the Washington District. I was at Summit Lake, Northeast Family Camp. And then as I got older, I started going to different camps. And on the main district even, upstate New York, I was everywhere. But... My camp experience is when it really started to become real because mm-hmm. camp is where it was my refuge. It was where I went, there where no one knew that I was just this poor kid. Mm-hmm. They just saw me as the outgoing, uh, quirky guy who, you know, for wh- whatever reason, people like to be around. So, you know, it didn't matter that what I didn't have, mm-hmm. you know, so, so really camp, the camp atmosphere became my refuge, my place of being me. Mm-hmm. And uh, at Pleasant Ridge Camp, there was a pastor speaking one, one summer. Um, and he's become my mentor. Uh, he actually, his father was the pastor of the church I grew up in. And uh, he was the pastor of Corning, New York, First Church of Nazarene. His name's John Kramer. And uh, Kramer looked at me, and this was when I was 16, and he looked at me during camp, and he said, Jeff, God has ma- amazing plans for you, and he loves you like a father loves his child. And that sailed over my head completely because I didn't, to me, that's a foreign concept because, you know, to me, a father is just a guy who takes off when the going gets tough. Yeah. Now, I believe that Jesus came and died for my sins and rose on the third day. Mm-hmm. And it was real. But, you know, I, there were certain aspects of it that I did not fully, fully get. So really, whenever I was 16, I'd say that's when, you know, everything became real to me. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I made, it doesn't mean that once I was 16, I walked the straight and narrow. Right. By no means. I, I've made so many mistakes I've I've had to bear my cross so many times. I started I, I started hurting the splinters. Yeah, <laughs> you know it was that bad. Um, but I'd really say when I was 16 and about there, that's when I started realizing that uh, you know this whole thing is there's something real about it, yeah. and it became more personal. Mm-hmm. But you know I, I continued doing you know youth ministry and, and stuff like that. Went to ENC, Eastern Nazarene College, and uh, all that. And uh, but really, when this whole thing went full circle. And I finally understood what Kramer told me when I was 16, that God loves me like a father loves a child, was when my firstborn was born. Wow. Um, November 10th, 2005. Um, I'm given this little baby in my hands, and I'm told this is yours. Mm-hmm. Love on this thing. And, I mean, it's I don't want to cry about it, but I might. But, um, you know, they, they, handed, they handed Briley to me, and, you know, I had to get, walk down this corridor. Um, from the operating room to the nursery. And for whatever reason, I still haven't figured this out, but that corridor was very dimly lit. And I don't understand if, if you're a first-time father carrying a baby, why it would be dimly lit mm-hmm. beyond me. But um, different people were in that corridor, and they saw me walking with, with Briley, and uh, they said they, they, they couldn't understand it. Um, it was a dimly lit area, but there was just this unexplained light that was shining. They couldn't, they couldn't explain it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm trying not to look anybody in the eyes right now so mm-hmm. I don't start crying. Um, 
but honestly, what that was is that was years of um, self loathing and mm. not feeling good enough and not being lovable and you know me finally getting what Kramer was saying that God loves you like a father because in that moment when I looked at this oh. little baby I'm just like you know what I I, I would die before I let anything mm. bad happen to this baby yeah you know and then that's that's truly the, the exact moment now I, I, I had been doing ministry for years before this happened and I, I believed everything I was preaching to the teenagers and all that but it really hadn't hit home or sunk in until that exact moment. And that's, you know, for me, as far as ministry goes, as far as, as living life and everything else goes, that is the very second where it all changed mm-hmm. and my life yeah. really, truly began. Mm. So, Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. We can't experience something sometimes. You know, people can tell us, but if you've never had a father experience and when fathers aren't and it's really hard as a father to measure up to our heavenly father right oh yeah we can't do that but you know um, you had been let down greatly by um, your earthly father but man god was so faithful to you in that moment to show you the love of a father and it's a love that i'm sure that came out of you that you didn't even know was possible oh yeah well see my friends of mine would be like what's it like being like being a dad is it is it hard is it tough no, it's honestly not. I mean, you hear all these, these expectant fathers like, you know, quivering and shaking. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do. Really, all you could do is, you know, from a Christian standpoint, be yourself. You just got someone else to love. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. A, a buddy of mine is the uh, worship leader at Spring Creek Nazarene. And before he had his first child, I mean, he and I were talking and he's like, does it change your life? I'm like, well, yeah, it changes your life, but it's you just have an extra person to love and to just hang out with. It's it's amazing, and I guess because I'm looking at it from someone who was an only child, I, I've always dreamt. Now this is crazy. When you're in high school, you dream. If you're a guy, you dream of playing baseball. That was my dream. I wanted to play major league baseball. That's what that was my dream. I thought, but really, my dream was is to have a family mm. first and foremost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, quick story. Go figure. I'm telling a story. But um, have you guys ever noticed in summertime, like when the moon's going up through the atmosphere, it's like red mm-hmm. and yeah. that color? Yeah. Well, when I was 15, I was at camp, and I was not the brightest kid sometimes. The moon had gone up, and it was red. So in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, it's the second coming. And I'm 15. I want a wife. I want kids. So I remember sitting at a picnic table at our camp praying to the Lord, please don't let this be the second coming. Don't let this be the end of the world because I want to have a wife and kids. So I, I've, I've I've always felt you know that's that was that was what my biggest dream in life was to have mm-hmm. a house full of just people that I could just love one because don't get me wrong I would not change anything about my childhood the ups and downs I would not change one iota because that's what led me to who I am right now absolutely but I do love the fact that I got three kids and a wife and my house always full and just to make things better my mom lives downstairs that's cool so you know I I I, I got it all I got it all. Well, that is um, a great story. Sometimes the things that are absent in our life, I think, you know, when we desire those things and then God brings that into fruition, it is um, very fulfilling. How many children do you have? We have three. And how old are your children? Briley is 14, going on 27. Maddox is nine, going on nine. (laughs) And uh, Decatur is going to be five next month. Okay. Yeah. And they are, each of them are unique and different in their own way. It's just amazing watching them grow up. Um, I I could not be more proud. Yeah, that's great. So you moved to, when did you move to Harrisonburg? 
September 22nd, 2003. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, a friend of mine was a youth pastor at Spring Creek Nazarene Church, and uh, he asked me to come down and visit. So I came down in May and visited and hung out, and somehow I got put on their church softball team, even though I lived 200 miles away. And I would come down <laughs> once a week to play softball. It was the weirdest thing. I felt like a high-paid free agent there. Um, but, you know, he'd been on me for months. You know, you ought to move here. We can do some ministry together. And by this point, I was, I was home from ENC and didn't really know which direction I was going to go. And I was really struggling with it because, you know, that's a big move. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know anybody there. And, you know, I, I, I had lived in Boston for a while, and now I'm moving where there's a bunch of cows and farmland and stuff. You know, it's a, it's a, big, it's a big change. And uh, so I was wrestling with it, and I was sitting at my house in Cumberland, Maryland, one, one afternoon, really struggling with it. And the street that I lived on in Cumberland, there's a stoplight in the road. And every day, it's the, it's the worst stoplight in town. And every day, traffic gets backed up a good quarter of a mile. And so I'm sitting, I forget what day of the week it was and all that, but I was sitting there, you know, just reflecting on life and thinking and praying and whatnot. And uh, the light had backed up the traffic. And, I, and, I, and in my mind, I'm thinking, do I move to Bridgewater, Virginia, or do I stay here, or do I go somewhere else? Because I, I had job offers in Nashville and one in Syracuse, New York, I could have gone to, but they just, I just didn't feel settled in my soul. So I'm praying, do I move to Bridgewater, Virginia? And as I'm sitting, rocking in my chair, I, I look out at the traffic that is backing up, and lo and behold, in front of my house are three vans from Bridgewater College. At that point, I'm like, okay, I'm done wrestling. I don't want a broken hip. Looks like we're moving to Virginia. And so I started looking for jobs on the Internet, and uh, I interviewed with the Boys and Girls Clubs of Harrisonburg, Virginia. And uh, I moved here on September 22nd, and uh, I started working there on September 23rd. Wow. Yeah. Which one did you work at? Sims. Okay. Yeah. I I was the... uh, I was the education coordinator. I was a YDPL1, uh, which means Youth Development Professional Leader. Then uh, I stopped as the Gang Task Force Special something or other. Enforcer, I don't know, something. Uh, it was cool to hear you tell that story about the vans. Like sometimes we pray, Lord, just make it so clear, so yeah. obvious oh, yeah. that I can't miss it. And that yeah. sounds like to you that that was the most obvious, like, Three vans from Bridgewater College. Like, how could he speak any louder? And, than and that? I, I appreciate that because sometimes I'm rather dense, and yeah. to make it that obvious, you know that that was right down my alley. You know, there was no uh, no discernment needed. There one, it is. Bada bing, bada boom. One for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Jeff, you moved here. You worked with the Boys and Girls Club, and you said you had a few different positions there. How long were you there? And tell us a little bit about that experience. I was at the Boys and Girls Club for five years. I had a blast. I mean, anytime it's me and kids, it's just fun. Uh, I guess it's because I get to be a kid again, I guess, maybe. Um, but, you know, no matter where I went in life, I just wanted to, to be used. I wanted to be an empty vessel. I just wanted to matter and make sure that I impacted somebody in some way. And uh, at the Boys and Girls Club, I did that. I've also taught. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, I've worked at a couple different places, and I, every place I've gone to, I, I've been afforded the the chance just to make a ripple in somebody's life. Yeah, you know, and that's just that's all I ask for. You know, I don't just, need I don't need to be rich. I don't need to have this, that, or the other. But if I can make a difference, and I if daily I can make someone smile, I'm happy. You know, that's, showing up in someone's life is a big deal, isn't it? Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, with my background, I want to make sure that you know I was prevalent in somebody else's yeah. life. You know, I yeah. wanted to you know. 
And it wasn't me doing that because I needed to fill some kind of psychological need. It wasn't that at all. It's just I, I know that there are plenty of people out there who need somebody, you know. When we've had an experience in life where we have had that need, it truly changes us. Mm-hmm. And I think when you could realize, like, you're grateful for everything, what you've been through is who you are is just God has used every experience in your life to make you who you are. He's allowed those things in your life, obviously. He didn't make them happen. He allowed those things to happen. And he saw you every moment. He's the God oh, who yeah. sees, you yeah. know, no matter where we're at. He sees and he cares. He's compassionate. And to be able to come out of that and to understand that that has made you the person you are is a blessing within itself. Um, it shows that there's been healing if there were any hurts along oh, yeah, the way, yeah, yeah. that God's healed those and yeah. you're leaning into it. Uh, my, my life has been full of those but God moments, mm-hmm. you know, and those those are what I live for, to be honest with you. You know, I, I should have been this but God. This mm-hmm. should have happened but God. I mean, yes. I, my life is just full of those moments. And, you know, looking back, I can smile about it now because, yeah. you know, it's just awesome. Yeah, he's used everyone. I said the other day, he takes our mess and makes it into a message. Right. Yeah. yeah. Beauty for ashes. Uh, you know, especially this time of year. Oh, yeah. Just thinking about how he gets glory out of, you know, seemingly hopeless situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Anything that you would like to share? If there's somebody listening who they grew up without a father or even without a mother, maybe it was the right. reverse, or. I don't know, maybe it's a single parent that's trying to raise a kid. Just from your experience, any encouragement uh, that you could give? Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's much. I mean, I'm not going to give you a nugget. I'm not going to give you something you can lean on because, honestly, you know, there's a Bible that's full of goodness that that you can lean on for those experiences. But I can tell you for anybody who has grown up without a parent in the home, it it is difficult. Um, If you've grown up without your dad, I mean, you know, not having someone teach you how to shave, how to do this. And I mean, you feel left out. But what I did was I focused on the things that my mom was doing. I mean, sure, I never had a dad who taught me how to field a ground ball or hit a baseball. But I had a mom who would take me to the playground every day and hit ground balls to me. Mm-hmm. So really, I mean, I, the biggest advice I can give is if you're in a single parent situation, look at what the parent who is there, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And just soak that in and just use that and use that in your life whenever you become a parent, mm-hmm. you know. I'm blessed to have a wife who's involved in the kid's life, and she's awesome. She, she's, she's my better half. She's my rock. She's my crutch, whatever you want to say. Um, I'm blessed that, that, to have her. So I really don't know how my mom was able to to do it. Yeah, to navigate you know? all of that. I don't understand it. And, mm-hmm. and so if, if, if you're a kid with a, who only has one parent, just really love on that parent who, who stayed and decided to be mm-hmm. part of it. And just soak in as much of what they're giving you as you can. Because, you know, my, I remember playing, when I was a little kid playing football, I never had a dad teach me how to tackle. What my mom would do was is she would take the, the cushions from the couch and become my tackling dummy. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, yeah, she's amazing. And, you know... The biggest advice I can give anybody is find people who bring you up, mm-hmm. who want to offer a hand up, not just a hand out. Yeah. Luckily, I've surrounded my. I, when I was a kid, I surrounded myself with people who were positive, who were that kind of influence in my life, and that benefited me greatly. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. So let's fast forward. What's been going on 
like the last few years? Oh, the last few years, uh, I've just been working at my camp, uh, me and my friends and my family. Um, it's, it's a rustic little camp. It is, uh, next year, the camp will be 80 years old. Wow. And honestly, I think uh, some of the buildings have not been renovated in 80 years. So it's a lot of manual labor. It's a lot of self-sacrifice because uh, when I moved to Virginia, I moved even further away from the camp. So it takes me about three hours to get there. And uh, It's a beautiful drive, though. It is. It is. But once you make it a lot of times, it seems to lose beauty. Once, you, <laughs> once you've done it your 50th time, it's, right. you, know, you just want to get there. Um, but you know, we were just working at the camp and, and, and trying to make that a place of restoration, of hope, of healing, of mm-hmm. a place where, you know, I'm biased, but I truly believe it is holy ground. Yeah. Um, there's just something different about that place. And uh, I tell everybody I talk to, I, I can't explain it. I can't quantify it. I don't know how to really explain it the greatest, but things happen there, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody that spent a lot of time at, at the camp and mm-hmm. uh, back in December became the director of Hope Distributed here, here at the NAS. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just loving life. Um, last week, I, I talked to Pastor Kerry on the phone. And uh, he's like, how are you liking the new job? And... I was like, man, I'm loving it. I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting paid to bless people. I mean, there's no greater feeling than that. And uh, I told my oldest daughter, Briley, I told her, you know, I'm basically, I go around and make people cry in a good mm-hmm. way. You know, it's, it's an amazing feeling that not only do I get to help, and our volunteers are amazing. The program was amazing before I got here. This is not due to me at all. I, I'm just reaping the benefits. But it's amazing to me that I, that I have a hand in actually feeding people's physical needs Mm -hmm. and then watching their spirit rise up because they realize that there are people out there who don't know them and don't have to, but love them anyway. Yeah. And it's just amazing for me, you know, because, you know, I've been in that situation. I've, you know, I've gone to this, to to the refrigerator and there's nothing in there. You know, I've, I've lived with no electric for a while. You know, there's been times where it's Christmas time and, and, and Santa is not coming down my chimney, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, the fact that I, I get to help alleviate that, I mean, it's just amazing. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't want to lose my man card by saying this, but I, I, I've shed a couple of tears over this, you know? It's, it's just yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing just to, to see how everything that's happened in your life has led up to where you are today. And I don't want to miss the fact that you worked with Steve Wingfield Ministry. Oh, shoot. I'm sorry, Steve, if you're listening to this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't want to miss that one. That's where yeah. I really got to know you right, a little bit better. Right, Yeah, I still work with Steve. Steve's my guy. He's, yeah, I, can, I consider him a friend and a mentor. Um, I've been working with Steve for the past three years. Funny story about that. I actually first met Steve in 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve did an event at the Convocation Center called Spring Fest. Oh, I was there. You were there. Okay, so Toby Mack was uh-huh. there. Um, George Clay Fed was there. Fed him dinner every night. I See, took care of him. Okay. Well, this, I helped. I didn't do it all. Okay. Well, now, this was 2005. I was fresh out of college. I looked a lot younger. I was a lot leaner. Um, so I, I got there wicked early, and um, Toby and his band pulled up in their bus. And I looked the part, so I kind of walked backstage with them. <laughs> so um, I actually admitted that to Steve about a year ago. But after Spring Fest was over, after Spring Fest was over, I was like, I, I have to meet the guy who did this, man. This is amazing. So, so I, I met Steve at his office, and we, and you know, I, I was just, I couldn't believe how, how one guy was able to bring it. Because these are some of my favorite bands. I mean, mm-hmm. this, this is great. It was a great concert. Uh, one, uh, a guy who used to be in Toby's band named Sean Locke, he was out in the, in the crowd um, during, the, during the concert. And he told me to stay. He came next to me. and said, "Stand still." I didn't know. I didn't know what was happening. I was like, "Okay." Didn't know. I was. I didn't know what to do. 
he actually used my shoulder to prop himself to do a backflip <laughs> back onto the floor. So I was part of the show that night. That's right. Oh, right. That's right. That's Where, your claim to fame. Yeah, where's my double award at, Toby? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, Jeff, uh, thank you uh, for joining us today on Front Porch Talks and for sharing your testimony. And oh, my pleasure. It's been a blessing to me, and I know it's blessed those that have heard it. Anything just in closing that you would like to share that we haven't asked you already or that you haven't shared already? Um, yeah, actually, the one thing I, w- I would I'd like to leave everybody with is, is something that I tell folks at camp and I'm telling people up at, up at Hope Distributed. Um, I, got, I, have, I have this little motto I created, and... Uh, I actually can see I, I have created this. I'm not going to copyright it or trademark it or anything. But reject apathy. Don't settle for sympathy. Live a life of empathy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's all I got. That's good. That's good. That's a good word. Well, it's been great to have you here today and to hear some of your story I didn't hear. It helps me to understand you a little better and understand God has the right person in this place. Um, you, well, you. You've been in his shoes, yeah. and you didn't know why you were in those shoes, um, and now God is using you to meet people that you see yourself in right. over and over again. So um, never lose that. Oh, no, I, I love being here. I'm having a blast. Uh, thank you for joining us, Jeff, and it's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that Jeff Wilhelm's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Front Porch Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.